Welcome back to Christian Outdoors Podcast. I'm your host, Pete Rogers, and this is the podcast where we discuss all things outdoors and how we can enjoy God every day. Welcome back to this episode of Christian Outdoors Podcast. I'm your host, Pete Rogers, and this is episode number 102. Before we get started into this week's episode, I want to again thank you, the listeners, for tuning in to Christian Outdoors Podcast. We are setting records every single episode of new listeners, new downloads, new subscribers, and it's very exciting to see what God is doing with Christian Outdoors Podcast as we enter into our third year of ministry here, where we talk about the great outdoors and how we can enjoy God every day. It's been such a blessing to be able to talk to so many people, to interview so many of them, and also to know that there are listeners out there who are benefiting from what we're trying to do here. We really appreciate you tuning in and for all that you're doing to support Christian Outdoors Podcast. Please keep us in your prayers. That is the most important thing that you can do is continue to pray for us and lift us up. We really appreciate that. Also, please remember that Christian Outdoors Podcast is a listener-supported podcast, and anything that you can do to help support this ministry is really appreciated. You can go to our website and find places how you can donate there. All of my books are available at christianoutdoors.org. If you're interested in any of the books that I've written, called Do You Enjoy God? 12 Steps to Enjoying God Every Day. I think you'll find this book enlightening and exciting to read. It has been well received uh, within the industry, and I'm thankful and blessed that God has given me these words to share with you, and I hope that you can benefit from it as well. Again, that's christianoutdoors.org, where you can find out more about me, about our ministry, and about all all that's going on here. As we begin this episode of Christian Outdoors Podcast, I'm excited that today I have someone with me who is very well known in certain circles, specifically the bass fishing industry. His name is Chris Wells. Chris went from being America's number one bass pro wannabe to America's favorite wild game and sportsman's banquet speaker. He's spoken at well over 1,000 wild game and sportsman's dinners all over the country. His messages immediately capture the attention of everyone in the audience and are exciting, expositional, and evangelical. Chris combines a humor-laced message with a powerful passion that very few speakers have. In 2008, the anglers of the Bassmaster Elite Series asked Chris to be their chaplain, and he travels to each event in addition to being a speaker. Chris has a passion for people who don't know Jesus and a heart for sportsmen and outdoorsmen. His mission is to use the venues that God gives him to share with people how they can show Jesus in an authentic, life-changing way by providing relevant, Christ-centered, biblical teaching and preaching. Please welcome to Christian Outdoors Podcast, my guest, Mr. Chris Wells. And welcome to the Christian Outdoors Podcast, Mr. Chris Wells, the Bass Chaplain. Now, that is a very interesting title that you have there, Chris. I cannot wait to hear how it came about, and I know that the listeners are as well. So why don't you start just by telling us a little bit about yourself? Well, Pete, I appreciate you having me on today. Well, I grew up loving the sport of bass fishing. I grew up on the Santee Cooper Reservoir down in low country, South Carolina, and all of my heroes were bass pros. And I mean that literally guys would would say stuff like, man, did you see what Roger Staubach did? I said, never mind, Roger Staubach. Did you see what Bill Dance caught? He must have had 30 pounds today. <laughs> I, I'm just eat up with the sport of bass fishing. I collect big league bass pro cards. I've got every Bassmaster episode from 1985 to the present on tape. And I, oh it, it was just a sickness with me, you know, and my brother was a bass guide. And usually if he couldn't take me fishing, my dad could. And, uh, and I just grew up loving those guys and following those guys. And my first thing after church Sunday morning was diving over the couch to hit the TV on to, to be able to watch Bob Cobb and the Bassmaster. So that was, oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. And growing up on Santee Cooper lakes, we probably have some similar friends. 
you know, because I'm I know Kevin Davis very well down at Black oh, yeah, Camp. Yeah. And and yeah. you are from Somerton where a dear right, friend yeah. of mine, Whitney Phillips, that owns oh, yeah. the Claritin Club. Right. Uh, all all the Phillips. I know all the great, Phillips family. Great, great people. family. Great really people. Are. Yeah. And she's been on here and she was and she's been a, a supporter of Christian Outdoors podcast ministry as well just great people down there in Summerton. it really is and by the way as a sidebar the listeners probably know this but davy height and i were classmates and how about as, that as, wow that's Luda high school he's he's kind of blown past me in the success world but and i i, I have the utmost respect for davy height and for all that he's yeah. accomplished and he's a new grandfather so congratulations team yeah congratulations davy you know he uh Davy, Davy, of course, is known far and wide in the state of South Carolina and all over the bass fishing world. And, you know, won the, won the Bassmasters Classic, which is the, the highest title that you can win in, in bass fishing. And uh, now he's a great commentator, you know, kind of the color yes. commentator for Bassmaster and uh, just a wonderful person, has great, great family, uh, military. You know, his kid went to West Point and did yeah. tour out in Afghanistan. And yeah, uh, just great, great people. Yeah. Yes, sir. I didn't mean to interrupt you. So you grew up. No, you're good. There. So you grew up down there on the Santa yeah. Lakes and you said that when your brother couldn't take you fishing, that your daddy would. That's right. And I grew up loving the sport of bass fishing in 2008. Uh, the Bassmasters classic came to South Carolina for the first time over on Lake Hartwell. Mm -hmm. And uh, when they announced that the classic was going to be on Lake Hartwell, I dove over my couch, knocked my bird dog off of, you know, out of the way and, and called ESPN and offered to pay them if they would let me ride in the boat and watch somebody fish, you know, you're sick when you want to pay to watch somebody fish. <laughs> but, uh, I got paired with a guy who won the tournament. His name's Alton Jones and Alton looked at him and he said, Chris, we're thinking about getting a chaplain for the Bassmaster tour. And, and I was a full-time Christian speaker at the time. And he said, uh, you know, we're looking at a lot of speakers because your name keeps coming up. Would you be interested in being the chaplain? And I tried to bow my head and look very spiritual. And I said, well, let me pray about that for two seconds. Yes, I'd love to be the chaplain <laughs> for the Bassmaster Tour. And he said, well, you know, really can't afford to pay anything. I said, it's perfect. I don't make any money. And so that's kind of how it happened. I'm I'm there at every event, and I'm just kind of there as a pastor would be. I, I teach a Bible study before the tournament starts. And then I'm just there, and they have about every problem that a church would have. I'm I go in the mornings ready to go, and if a marshal doesn't show up, which inevitably happens every tournament, uh, they let me ride in the boat, and that allows me to build relationships with those guys and their families. Right, and, right. Uh, and it's just been an awesome time. So I've been doing that pretty much uh, full time uh, since 2009. Oh my so goodness. that's kind of how it started. So I mean, uh, that's obviously a God thing, right place, right time. Right. Uh, I um, never knew. Never knew why God let me memorize. Who won? Who won Bugs Island Bassmaster in 1993? And uh, and now I know. I got nothing. So. I got. Okay. <laughs> that was Don't ask Klein. me, man. I got. <laughs> I got nothing. Yeah, Gary <laughs> And and you could be wrong, but I'm I'm going to think you're right. You said it with confidence. <laughs> right. You know, <laughs> Gary won that one, no doubt. <laughs> All right. All right. So you ended up as the bass chaplain. So so, um, you said that you do a Bible study before the tournament. So is that like on Wednesday right. before they start fishing? Yeah, normally Thursday? before COVID, before COVID, COVID has changed everything, of course. Everything in every um, area. Right. Yeah. yeah. Before COVID, we would do a pre-tournament meeting and we would do the Bible study right after the meeting. So it, okay. they were already at a, a place or at a location and we just did it right there. Now it's been a challenge. We've done some with Zoom meetings. Uh, we're, we've done, you know, tried to meet at boat ramps, try to meet before the you know, before the tournament starts, but I think uh, next year we're going to do a thing called meet the pros. 
Uh, it'll be the Sunday before they start fishing. Okay. And, uh, and we'll, we'll go to a church somewhere. We'll probably end up meeting somewhere there, but one way, shape or another, we'll, we'll all get together and meet somehow, you know, some way. And, so. and that's, that's really interesting, Chris, because, you know, pastors of, of local churches are having to reinvent how they do worship. Exactly. And, and I actually, um, I was uh, at a writer's conference down in Aiken this past weekend and uh, was, was driving back home Sunday morning and came by a bunch of churches down on highway 25 from Aiken all the way to Greenville. And you right. know that road. Yep. And there were three churches where the pastor was on the front steps with speakers and people sitting in their cars. Still. That's right. I've done that. And I haven't seen that in, you know, six or eight months. Right. It's yeah. like more and more churches are open now, but you still have those that are doing the drive up services. That's right. And I remember one of them, and I felt so sorry for, and there were only three cars there. And, and, you know, there are a lot of churches that are struggling right now because of COVID financially and attendance wise. And, right. and, uh, people have gotten kind of comfortable just watching it on TV instead of going in and being present. But having said that, I kind of chased a rabbit a little bit there. I'm going to bring it back. No, up. that's fine. No, or I got to get a different analogy. We're talking to a fisherman here. I chased some <laughs> shiners right there. I need to bring it into yeah. the, to the main thing. You, you can put in the hunting, you can, you can go to the hunting realm. I'm hoping to be in a tree, uh, shortly. Okay. So. That's why you want to go in here early. I got it. That's right. Yeah. All right. <laughs> All right. Um, but as the pastor, if you will, of the Bassmaster elite, let's, let's take this down to bass fishing one-on-one. Okay. All right. For the people who are listening to this, who may not know anything about competitive bass fishing. So I think now there are three circuits. Is that right? Yeah, there are, there, uh, you know, major league fishing. And I was their chaplain for about two years until I was flying back and forth and going to both of them. And it was just too much. And mm -hmm. so we, we got Mark Rose doing fishing church over at major league fishing. Still love those guys. Those guys still love me. You know, we still, they let me speak whenever I want to over there. Right. Um, uh, and then, well, really you've got, you've got a new circuit coming out and I, I'm not real sure even what that circuit's called, but you know, the, the qualifying series for major league fishing is called the series five. The qualifying tournament for uh, Bassmaster is called the Bassmaster opens. Okay. And so, um, so really, you know, Bassmaster and major league fishing are your two major tournament, uh, sites, but, uh, it, what it's done is enabled a lot more guys to, to try to make a living fishing. Right. And so it's really, really turned out for to be a good thing. Good. So what's the difference between Bassmaster and Bassmaster elite? Okay. Um, when you're in the hierarchy of how you should probably progress my, how most people progress in bass fishing, uh, you know, you think you're a pretty good bass fisherman. You start out at a club level, uh, mm -hmm. join a club, you know, you start beating those guys and cashing a check in 80% of your tournaments. And then you move up to maybe a team trail. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, that, that might be the fishers of men national tournament trail. It could be the cat trail. It could be, you know, whatever. Um, you know, if you, if you start cashing a check in those and you're pretty good, uh, you can try, you can move up and try the opens. Now the opens are probably your highest level of competition in professional bass fishing. Uh, okay. that's because you're, you're competing against elite series guys and guys that are wanting to be on the elite series. Okay. And so, uh, you have to qualify to be on the elite series. And so you have to fish your way through a regional. And I believe they only take the, the top finisher in every regional. Oh, and wow. so you pretty much have to blow away your region uh, to get an invitation on the Bassmaster Elite Series. And so, you know, when you get to the Elite Series level, when you get to the Major League Fishing level, you're at the highest level of competition in, in professional bass fishing. 
Okay, so, so when we say the Bassmaster Elite, that is what used to just be Bassmaster. That's correct. That's correct. Okay. But it used to be so called the Bassmaster Top 100 is what they okay. used to call it. Okay. Um, it. You know, it became the Elite Series quite a few years ago. Right. And, uh, and the, the biggest deal is you have to qualify to be in it, it, which is that's the way it should be. Back in the old days, you could just pay a pro entry fee in the invitationals and right. just and, and compete as a pro. And now right. you have to earn your way on onto that tour. Okay. Okay, so it sounds like it's very similar to golf. It is. is. It is very similar, except for the golf. money. The yeah, money well, yeah. in golf is up here. And <laughs> yeah, it's a lot bigger. Yeah. It's a, yeah, but it's also really, really hard to get on as, as right. the professional bass fishing is. So so for those people who are, you know, I, I have to try to consider all listeners, Chris, I'm going to kind of repeat this and walk it through. That's correct, yeah. So like the analogy of golf is that, is that the top 125 on the PGA Tour get to continue to fish on the uh, fish, play golf on the PGA Tour? Right. It, and that's by how much money that you've won. If you drop out of that top 125, you have to go all the way back to qualifying school. You have to requalify. Same thing in or bass go fishing. to the web.com yeah. or whatever, but you have to requalify to get back on the tour. So it's, it's it sounds like it's identical. It's, to that. it's a very similar. Um, you know, you have to requalify. You have, there, there are several different uh, uh, ways that you can stay qualified. One is a, a legend. They do give legend status. So, mm -hmm. um, so guys like Rick Clun, even though Rick performs at the top level, he won a tournament two years ago. Um, yeah, he's almost 70 seven, years 73 old. years old. He won oh a tournament. Gosh. He's an amazing man. <laughs> and, uh, but, but he doesn't have to requalify because he's a legend. Right. And, uh, and he's going to be there. Uh, whereas other guys have to, it's on a percentage basis. They have to have right. the, keep their percentage at a high level to be able to stay on that tour. Right. There's probably not very many on the legends. I would guess KVD, Kevin Van Dam. Rick well, Kevin, Lund. Kevin's in major league fishing That's now. Right. So there aren't very, there aren't very many over. Yeah. There aren't very many that are there that, that have legend status. David Fritz would be, you know, another okay. one that would okay. you know, be there. And so, so the well, Bassmaster elite, so the Bassmaster elite and the, and the FLW compete against each other basically for. That's for, correct. Yeah. For anglers. They do. And FLW is called series five now. Okay. So Gosh, major league fishing names. series five, they change names all the time. It's hard for me to even keep up with it. It is hard. It. Yeah. And you're, and you're immersed in and it. I, and I'm in it and it's hard yeah. for me to keep up with it. Yeah. It really My is. goodness gracious. Okay. All right. All right. So also I noticed in your, uh, uh, bio that you have spoken at over a thousand wild game dinners and sports I have. banquets. So, uh, tell us how you got into that and, <laughs> and kind of how that works. Cause, and for me, just, I'm gonna ask a really uh elementary question is there a difference between a sportsman's banquet and a wild game dinner besides the name no there there's not there's really not um i tell you it really kind of started back in the 90s well with me i started speaking um i was with the south carolina baptist convention i worked with their somersault program a guy named bill cox brought me on and we would do five weeks of camp and then five weeks of being on a revival team. And I got asked to be on a revival team. And then the next summers I was just full time on the revival team. So I was doing revivals and, and meetings way back in the eighties. And, um, when I, I was a youth pastor for about 15 years and, uh, I was using all, they give you vacation days. They give you revival days. I was using all my vacation days and all my revival days to be a speaker. And one day I came home and my wife said, listen, you need to decide whether you're a speaker or whether you're a youth pastor. And so I started praying about it. And so we stepped out and started a full-time speaking ministry. We call it well-spoken ministries. 
And uh, that was in 2004. And so I've okay. been doing it full time since 2004. But the Wild Game Banquet started back in the 90s. I started speaking at those when they got real popular. Uh, churches just found out that it's a great way to reach guys that would never darken the doors of a church any any other way. Right. And right. whereas guys won't come to a revival or they won't come to a church meeting, if you say, hey, we're gonna we're gonna serve alligator and deer and possum and rattlesnake, and you can win a gun or you can win a prize or you can right. hear a you know like that. They're all in for that, and a lot of yeah, guys yeah. will show up for that. And so that's kind of how it started, and uh, and I started kind of getting a reputation for 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 being a, a speaker on on that kind of men's ministry circuit, if you will. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so, it, you know, it's been kind of like that every year. Um, you know, we book a lot of game banquets and a lot of sportsman's banquets, however you want to call it. Uh, it's basically just a men's ministry event. And, and it's not that we don't love women. Um, you know, statistics tell me that, uh, if you reach a, a child for Christ, there's a 4% chance that child's entire family will start coming to your church. If you reach a woman, there's a 17% chance that woman's entire family will start coming to church. But if you reach a man, there's a 94% chance that man's entire family will start coming to church. And women have carried the church for the last 50 years. And my challenge to men is just, Hey, step up to the plate. It's time to step up, you know, into the plate and and do what God's called us to do. I actually saw that graphic the other day. Uh, Someone shared it on Facebook, that graphic that you just said, where, where those, uh, those three, I actually shared it and said, is it's time for men to step up and be the godly men of their families and that's right that's because exactly it right. doesn't just affect you it affects your entire family it affects and, everything yeah. and a lot of times it, it's it's extended family meaning grandkids and 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 children in-laws and so forth and so forth it just really it, it it's a wider net when the men lead the way that god wants us to lead it really does makes all the difference in the world it does it does um wow chris uh, you are not only a good speaker but you're a fast speaker I am. I am a fast speaker. You know, I, um, one of the things when I first stand up to speak to any group, there are two things I always say. I say, number one, I am the fastest speaking South Carolinian that you'll ever hear in your life. Okay. <laughs> and number two, I'm the only white preacher in America that can out sweat TD Jakes. And, uh, and that is the truth. So you have so, your, you have your sweat towel with you. To I do. I do. Constantly. I exactly do. And I'm not kidding you. I do. One time I tweeted that on Twitter and TD Jake saw it and he retweeted it oh, and, I, and I was immediately followed by about 800 pastors after oh, he retweeted cool. that. And he said, but he said at Bass Chaplain, I am laughing. <laughs> and so it was pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. I remember in seminary we had to do, cause I went to Erskine seminary yeah, and I, yeah. and I can remember, uh, we had to do our, well, what was called our senior sermon where you had to preach to the, uh, um, to your, uh, classmates and the, and the professors and everybody. And, uh, Lonnie Smith, African-American pastor was up there. Um, and he had two sweat towels. (laughs) (laughs) He went through two of them. And I mean, he was, it was, it was really, really good. I don't remember the message. I just remember the impact of the message. That right. was yeah. uh, 95. So that's been a while ago. Um, but I can remember just what you said. He was, he'd be wiping, sweating that and get back. He just threw it down there on the floor and grabbed his other one and just kept on. He never missed a beat. <laughs> never I, missed I a can't, beat. I can't explain it. I, when I was 139 pounds, I sweat just like I am over 200 pounds now. So yeah. it doesn't matter. Yeah. Some of us are just sweaters. I'm kind of, that's right. That's that's what exactly. my kids, I'm blessed with sweating. So. Yeah. That's what my kids say about me too. It's dripping off the hat bill, you know, yeah, and, exactly. they, and, they're, and they're wearing a, a sweatshirt in the house. I know exactly what you're saying. Yes. So. Yes. Yes. So, um, 
what is it about bass fishing that has captivated you though? You know, when, uh, when my brother, I, growing up on CNT, you just never knew what the next cast was going to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, every species you can think of, and they were all giant. I mean, okay. it, you never knew. And, and my dad would always talk about 10 pound bass and he, he caught four 10 pound bass in his life. And I've, I've caught literally a hundred over seven pounds, but I've only caught one over 10 pounds. And I caught him when I was 50 years old and I'm 55 now. Okay. And, uh, and, and so the, the allure of that next cast, you don't know what the next one's going to be. Right. You can have the worst day in the world, not catch a fish. And in one second, it can change your entire day. And, yeah. uh, and yes. you know, another thing was it, it keeps me focused. I'm ADD and bass fishing was the only thing that, that could just zoom focus me in. Uh, I, when I first got, when I first really got my first, um, boat, I could fish out of on my own. It was a little John boat, 14 foot John boat. I tell a story about that. It's become kind of famous in my, my circles. But, uh, but I remember I was in Georgetown. I was fishing the sand pit river, which is one of the hardest rivers you can ever fish. And, um, and I was fishing and I, and I, I was kind of my movements were kind of getting slang and my speech was getting slurred. I was like, what is going on with me? And I realized I had been out there all day long in the sun and I hadn't thought about eating or drinking or anything. Yeah. That's how focused fishing gets me. And it's just a a wonderful deal and catching a fish in a tournament is about a hundred times more exciting than catching one for fun and catching one for fun is one of the most exciting things you can do. It is. It It really is. It really is. is. That's kind of where I am on that. It just, it amazes me because I know how hard it is on some of these big reservoirs to catch quality bass, Mm, you know, and, and for the, for the novice listener on these tournaments, they can only keep five fish, right? Five large mouth bass is what they're fishing for. They have to be what 15 inches now. It, it depends on the lake. You know, okay. if you're fishing right. Kiwi, it's a 12 inch limit. If you're fishing, you know, Santee, it's, it's a little So long, they go by the local, by right. the local That's correct. regulations. Yeah. Okay. But they have to, but they're, they're ranked by weight. So yeah. nobody wants to keep a 12 inch fish. That's right. Yeah. If you're, yeah, you're keeping a 12 inch fish, either it's a bad day for everybody or you're going to have a really bad day. Yeah. Yeah. You won't be fishing tomorrow. So, but, yeah. but for the, but for the novices, they can keep five fish. And the heaviest weight and is and it's added over every day. It's multiplied by every day. So if it's a three day tournament and you catch ten pounds a day and ten pounds tomorrow, right. you have twenty total, and then you know and so forth and so on. Right. Um, but it amazes me that these these professional anglers can go out there and they can catch every single day five, not just five fish, but five quality fish. Yeah. And a lot of them, it's the only time of the year they'll fish that lake. It's not they're, like they're it's your so home good. lake. It's not like it's your home lake and you have all these secret right. spots or familiar spots, not secret spots, but familiar spots that you have fished every month of the year under every condition with the east wind, west wind, under the rain, under the sun. You kind of know what the fish do. But when you only go for two days to pre-fish six months before the tournament, and then you show up and you can go catch five quality fish every single day. Yeah. It just, it absolutely blows my mind. One of the biggest um, misnomers in bass fishing is that bass fishing is about luck. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Bass fishing is a gift, just like any other professional sport. I can, I can practice shooting, you know, shots all I want to at basketball goal, but I'll never shoot like Steph Curry. I'll never right. be able to do that. In the same token, you know, I can get better 
but I'll never have his gift of being able to shoot like that. It's the same way I can, I can try and throw my spinnerbait like Kevin Van Dam every single day or skip like Andy Montgomery or, or try to drop shot like Clifford Perch. Uh, but I'll never be able to do it like they can, because it's a gift. It's just a right. gift from God that you can't understand until you see them using that gift. I was at, um, Ross Burnett. They used to let me practice with the guys. So I'm practicing with Andy Montgomery and Andy Montgomery took a buzz bait and skipped it 30 feet up under a dock. My and I felt like goodness. a child. I mean, I felt like a child. Yeah. I was like, I was just going, I was just had my hands in my face going, what? You know, it was kind of like Jesus when he, you know, when Peter, Peter goes, just go away from us, Lord. You, we just, we're not worthy to be around you. That's the way I felt. <laughs> I felt that. Day. I was like, how did you do that? He and he did it laughing. on purpose. It wasn't like he it was did. an accident. And, he did and it he on can purpose. Do it. And it's so, it's so uh, amazing to watch those guys and you learn something every single time that you do. Uh, but, but they're really good. And, you know, getting back to the five fish, you know, they can cull throughout the day. So w- one of the things that, you know, a lot of people believe is that they're killing those fish and that's not the, you know, the case at all. You have every motivation in a bass tournament to keep a fish alive. They're, they're kept in aerated live wells. Uh, they, they're treated with a, a slime layer type of juice you put in the, in the, the tank, uh, because there's a penalty, you know, if they have a dead fish. Right. And so uh, Bassmaster has a full-time biologist and his job is to make sure those fish stay alive if possible. Right. And so when they're, you know, when they take them out of their live well, they're put in a bag with water. They're immediately carried to an aerated tank where they can aerate them. They're weighed and then they're taken back to a release boat where they're, where the slime layer is retreated and they're aerated and then they're released in different parts of the lake unharmed. And that's the question that I've always had, and and you just touched on it, but I want to go into the little detail. When they release the fish, okay, let's say let's say because like a Hartwell, the Bassmaster class is coming back to Hartwell back in March or this this coming March, and they always go to Green Pond Landing, right? That's the name of it. And so when they release the fish, because they're coming from the Bilo Center, or they changed the name of that too, the uh, Bon Secours Center, yeah, the Bon Secours Center, all the way back to Lake Hartwell. Yeah. Where, I mean, they don't just, they don't just dump them all in the lake in one spot. So they, no, they don't in boats and they, and they go and scatter them throughout the lake. There are two Shimano live release pontoon boats and they okay. have a huge aerated tank on both of those boats okay. under the bottom of the tank. There's a trap door. And so when, when they get out and they don't all let them go right at the landing, they will get out and try to release those fish It'll be a timed release until every fish is out of that tank. And so they'll go to one area and release. They'll go to another area and release another area and release until all those fish are gone. So they're not all let out in the same place. Right. And so Bassmaster makes a, you know, does a good job. And and one of the things they've done over the years is they put tracking devices on them. Some some of those fish Hmm. and those fish do very well. They they have a, a very high survival rate. Okay. And, uh, and they're meticulous about taking care of them. If the fish is caught down deep where he can't go back down, yeah, uh, yeah. they'll, they'll release the air bladder. Um, you know, and, and the biologist supervises that his name is Gene Gilliard and he is really, really good at, um, at, at knowing exactly which fish in different species, where the air bladder is, you know, how to release that. And so those, right. those fish are very well taken care of as much as you can. Right. Um, and, and still have a bass tournament. Well, I mean, and I think it's 
it's common sense to say that there will be a few fish that are lost, but right. There always is. But as you said, the angler has a significant penalty if he has dead fish. That's right. And and when you're talking about a hundred thousand dollars can, can swing on one or two ounces. It's very, very important that they make sure that those fish are alive. Yeah, I've, I've seen a Bass Pro give a fish mouth-to-mouth for an hour before the tournament trying to get that <laughs> fish to come back. They're, they're meticulous about let's yeah. make sure these fish, you know, make right. it to the scale, okay? How so, many tournaments a year are they having now? Is it eight, nine? You know what, guys, that's a good question. I think I think we did 10 tournaments this year, um, and I believe we do 10 tournaments the next year. We start, uh, if you count the Bassmasters Classic as, you know, one of the tournament years, because actually – the 2021 classic is actually the 2022 classic because uh, they qualified for it this year, but they won't fish it until next year. Right. Right. And so it's, it's kind of in the middle, but we've got a, this year's schedule um, is is probably one of the most favorable for me personally, because uh, all, but a couple of tournaments are within about six hours of my house. Oh, that's nice. So, uh, you know, we got Harwell, we've got Santee Cooper, we've got, you know, just real close tournaments and even Palatka, Florida is not very far, you know, for, for me to get down there. And so I've enjoyed, um, this year. So really the one at, uh, the St. Lawrence river and the one in Minnesota, is it Northern Minnesota? It's out in Iowa. Um, excuse me, North, uh, South Dakota. We're going to South Dakota this oh, year. Oh, going to South Dakota. Yeah, Oahu. Oahu, I believe, is, is how it's pronounced. Okay. And that's an awesome – I've been out there before with them before, and that's a really great um, trip out there. It really is. You, know, you get a chance to see the Badlands and, yeah. and all the different things out there, and that state is a really, really great state. It I is. It's a, I've actually had the, the fortune to hunt there several times for whitetails, and it is and, – and I vacation there too. It is – Right, yeah. The, both Dakotas are very, in my opinion – very overlooked for outdoor opportunities. They are, um, they are. And I love it there. Beautiful country, beautiful country. So how did you end up in, in the North part of the state away from all the lakes for a guy who is uh, so married <laughs> to the, to the fishing and grew well, up on Santee Cooper? I bet you, well, I bet it has something to do with a wife, doesn't it? Well, well, it had to do actually with a, with a calling of being a youth pastor. I was a, I was a youth pastor down in Sumter, South Carolina for about seven years. And a, a church approached me from Greenville, South Carolina uh, Brushy Creek Baptist and Taylor's actually. And, and I, I went to be is, their yeah. youth pastor here and I still go to church there. I, okay. when I, when I felt called to start my ministry, I, I told our senior pastor and he made me the minister of evangelism there for about a year, mm-hmm. uh, which allowed me to be gone as much as I needed to be gone. And, uh, and so I started out from there. So I'm still a member of Brushy Creek Baptist right here. And okay. you know, we base everything out of the local church and, you know, that we do and, and make, we don't do anything apart from, you know, from church, we're not, you know, by ourselves out on a, you know, out on an Island, um, yeah, you know, everything yeah, yeah. is a part of the local church. So. And it, and it needs to be, I think that's a very important right. statement is of, of that, you know, and for guys that are, and, and, and I say guys, because we're talking about bass fishing and, right, yeah. and I guess there are females that do. Oh, it. there are, there are lots, lots of women, lots of great anglers that are women. As a yeah. matter of fact, the new tournament director for Bassmaster is a woman, and she is awesome. Her name is Lisa Talmadge, uh-huh. and uh, she was just appointed this year. I think she had an interim title last year, uh, but she's fantastic, and she's a great, great bass fisherman as well. Right, but on the on the the Bassmaster Elite, they're all males. Yeah, they're all males right okay. now. They, they've tried right. they've tried a, a few times over the years, but they haven't been able to figure out how to, how to work the ladies in yet. All right, so 
with all these men that are fishing and they're fishing on Sundays usually, right. or yeah. they're, or they're driving on Sundays, so right. godly husbands and fathers and men, but also we're talking about men who make their living by working a lot of time on Sunday or having to right. travel on Sunday and miss the local church. And that's where you come in. Right. So, but these guys, they go to work at five thirty, six in the morning, right. whatever legal light is. I mean, when you got you know a bunch of boats that had to be put in at the same ramp, yeah. Some, some of these guys are actually sitting in their boat for two hours before ever launch time. That's right. Right. So other than is, is that, uh, what am I trying to say here? That Bible study that, that you do before the tournament, is that pretty much your only way that you can communicate to these guys from, from that? From well, that we, end? you know, we, we do that in, in that way. Of course, all of them have my number. Um, my, a lot, most of my ministry is done before the tournament starts and after the tournament is over. Right. So I will, uh, you know, in the mornings I will go down the line when they're putting their boats in, uh, we try to do servant evangelism type of stuff. Hey, can I, can I back your boat down? Can I, you know, pull it up? And, you know, at first they were real hesitant. First couple of years, it was hard to, you know, for them to turn over their truck to me, but now they understand, yeah, Chris can back a boat. So he's, you know, yeah, I know, I know. And, and just anything I can do any, any way I can minister, I'll pray with anybody who wants me to pray with them. Um, you know, we try to, we, we open all of the Bassmaster elite series tournaments with prayer and, um, and, uh, what's really cool. I'll tell you, this is kind of a tangent off of that, I, but I want to mention him, uh, Bassmaster's owner is a devout Christian. His name is Chase Anderson. Chase is a billionaire. Uh, you'd never know it if he walked up to you, you know, on the street, um, mm -hmm. calls me just about every week to, to pray with me, um, encourages prayer, encourages anything that I can do, lets me give every angler a Bible with their name on it. And so yeah, we yeah. try to provide, and that's all in that spiritual realm. We try to give them Bible, uh, try to be available to answer any questions they have. Uh, I try to stay until cut day. Uh, because when a guy finds out that he's going to make money or not going to make money, he's more interested in talking about God. Right. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah. and so it's, uh, it's yeah. one of those things where, so there are a lot of opportunities to answer your question, uh, you know, to, to speak Christ into their lives and to let them know that even though you're out here on the Bassmaster trail, we're still a body of believers. And that's really what the church is. The church right. is, is not really attending a service. It's uh, it's the body of believers that are encouraging and, you know, and being the the hands and feet of Christ. Right. Right. And yeah, so it sounds like that you're basically your local church pastor is just that your congregation are fishermen. They do. That's exactly right. It's so a lot Jesus like did that. make you a fisher of men. He did. Fishermen. He did actually. And, and, you know, I have a t-shirt that said, Jesus didn't hang out with golfers. He hung out with fishermen. And so <laughs> I really do. He loves golfers too. Don't want the golfers to call in and get mad. Oh, at now him I'm offended. About now that. Now we're so offended. That's a, <laughs> and so that's a, but Jesus did hang out with golfers as well. And so I'm just, I always tease golfers because I'm not good enough to do, I'm not good enough to golf. And so right, I appreciate right. the sport though. Yeah, I do too. And I like to play from time to time, but as sometimes I wonder why I pay $45 just to get angry, um, yeah. you know, cause it's a very frustrating game. It really is. It is. Uh, it, and, <laughs> and it's just like bass fishing. I am not a good bass fisherman. Uh, I'm not either. There's a reason I'm the chaplain and not on the tour. Yeah. So. <laughs> Especially when it comes to the big reservoir. I just, I love fishing in farm ponds. That's what I grew up doing in yeah. Saluda, South Carolina. But when it comes to a reservoir, I'm just overwhelmed. I don't right. even know where yeah. to start. And, uh, when I was growing up and if we went to Lake Murray, it was for stripers, right? Yeah. Big, mm -hmm. you know, and, yeah. and I got really involved in striper fishing for a long time. I never fished a tournament, 
but but I was like, man, this bass fishing is hard on these big lakes. It, it is. It really is hard. It and is. I fished with Davey a few times, and he's and he makes it look so easy. Oh, he's so good. He's oh so my good. gosh, yes, he yeah. is. He is. I think it's one of those things, Chris, that you don't realize how good they are until you try it yourself. Right. Yeah. You know, because like all television, it's edited. They're out there for seven, eight hours fishing, and they catch, you know, probably eight, nine fish, but they only keep yeah. five. But there's a lot of time in there. They're just casting and casting. That's right. It, it, it's a person on a new lure and casting, tying on another yeah. lure and casting and trying this and trying that. Let's try drop shot. Let's go into deep water and let's try this. Let's come back to the shallow and try that. And it's over and over and over again. But yet, all they need is one or two good bites, and it can, That's right. yeah. and it can change your life. It really can. And, you know, Rick, Rick Clun taught, I heard him say one time, you know, you, you kind of, that uh, fishing is kind of like snow. He said, you, you count on a flurry every now and then. Every now and then, you catch one or two, then you catch two or three, and then you, you yeah. have another flurry and another flurry like that. And, and you, you try to, you know, try to just take it like that. But I tell you, when, you, when you're talking about big bodies of water, one of the things I encourage people to do is, is to fish your big body of water, just like a small body of water. Just take a section of, you know, of a time, um, you know, like up around Saluda, you can get up in the river up there and just say, okay, I'm going to fish yeah. five coves today. And that's all I'm going to fish and right, right, kind of right. break it down. And before you know it, you're, you, you kind of remember, okay, yeah, this is a good area. This is a good yeah, area yeah, like that. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, because you can't can get be really overwhelmed. It can be, yeah. you, know, you got a 55,000 acre lake and think, where do I even start? Right. That's right. But, yeah. You know, you just you got to start somewhere. You're not you just catch start fish. started. Start where you put in. <laughs> yeah, so right there. I got I got one last question. I don't sure. know if you know the answer to this, but it always amazes me when I watch some of these tournaments that these guys put in, and some of them will will get in their boats and they'll ride forty miles. Right. Yeah. Up river or down river, and I'm thinking, how many fish are you riding past? That's right. Yeah. To cover all this distance, and now how much time are you taking out of your legal fishing time? Right. You know, when yeah. you're, when you're riding an hour, hour and a half to get to your fishing spot, that just always amazed me as to why they do that. It's just, is uh, you it, know, go ahead. that's a great question. Um, the, uh, I think the answer is because of pressured fish. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, Hank Parker kind of started all of that on the James river, uh, when he made a 92 mile run one way and, wow. uh, to, to get the fish fish for an hour caught his fish and, uh, and came back and then, you know, ran 92 miles back, but he ended up winning that event. And so yeah, there's, yeah. there's two ways of thinking. One is, well, if I start fishing right here at the ramp, I can maximize my fishing time. The other one, the way they're thinking when they run a long way is those fish aren't getting near the pressure that, uh, that other fish are that, you know, that other areas mm -hmm. are, and therefore I can catch those fish quicker and easier and there'll be bigger fish. And I spend most of my time, but it is a gamble. And there are a lot of times, like for instance, this, this year, uh, Jason Christie, uh, Jason Christie and Brandon Card found the same area. Um, Christie ended up winning that event, but I remember riding up there with Brandon Card. I, I just happened to get paired with him on the first day. And I'm not kidding you. I recommitted my life to Jesus 16 times before we got there. It was an hour and 45 minute ride. It was around hairpin turns and stumps and shallow bays and things like that. And, and he it was, was going 65, awful. 70 miles. Right. An and hour it was, and it was yeah. really, it was, it was really terrible, but the fish were so unpressured up there. It was, yeah. they were really easy to catch. 
And so oh, I'd have been in the floorboard in the fetal position. Just I was, for it to be I over. was, <laughs> I really was. It was really, uh, it was really gut wrenching. As a matter of fact, when we got to where, where he was going to fish, I was so giddy just to be alive. I was just elated <laughs> the rest of the day. So it was really, really something. Yeah, else. I can remember, uh, I don't remember who told me this, but this, uh, this is what changed some of the bass fishing rules to make it safer is, um, back when people started doing this, he said that we would, we would use bungee straps and strap five gallon cans of fuel on the back yeah. deck of the boat to, because we knew we wouldn't have enough fuel to get back. Right. So you can't do that anymore because they realize how dangerous it is. That's right. Yeah. And, and now they had to stop and refuel. And if you've ever gotten uh, fuel at the gas pump on the lake, you know, you're going to pay like $16 a gallon. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And in today's and prices, it's thing. probably like $25 a gallon in today's money. Uh, yeah. And, and, and now you're losing all that time. Yeah. And money and money too. You know, yeah. uh, people see in bass fishing, really only half the field really gets paid anything significant. And, um, and you've, you've paid a $6,000 entry fee to get in the tournament. And so, you know, if you win $10,000 in 50th place, well, you've, or you had to pay motels and, you know, gas and you had to eat and you had to do all that. It's very little money uh, unless there. you're in the top. Yeah, right. And get yeah. there from wherever you had to come from. That's right. And a lot yeah. of people think, well, you know, most of those guys have their entry fees paid. Well, some of them do, but there's a large percentage of them that don't have their entry fees paid. Right. And so, uh, you know, I've got some guys that are, um, that are, have their names on the lures at Bass Pro Shop. And some guys are eating peanut butter, sleeping in their trucks to try to win enough money to get home. Yeah. And so yeah, it's yeah. a, it's a tough, you know, it's a big disparity in, uh, in, in bass it fishing. It's a tough way to make a living. It is, it is. And, and, and I tip my hat to every one of those guys who yeah. are, but you know what? I, I, I admire them for taking the chance for trying, Wow. Yeah. you know, for, yeah. you know, this is something I've dreamed of since I was seven years old. And I just want to try to see if I can, make, I think I can make it right. And nobody believes in you better than you can believe in yourself. That's right? exactly and, right. And, and, uh, I had a friend of mine who's a, um, um, well, he's still a friend of mine. But he, we were talking about business one day and why some businesses were successful and some wasn't. I think there's a good parallel here. And he said this. I thought it was a great analogy. He said, Pete, we're all just salmon swimming up the river. Some salmon get eaten by bears for no fault of their own. They did everything right. right. They, they did everything right. That they, they came when everybody else came and they jumped the falls and they made it. And all of a sudden the bear eats them and they didn't. And there's no rhyme or reason. Others get stuck behind a waterfall. They cannot get up the waterfall, mm. but a few make it and a few spawn and they reproduce and then they die. And he said, that's kind of how business is. I can see that in the bass fishing or in it really right. any, any professional sport is why did this guy make it in this not in this one? Not yeah. it's, uh, my sons and I are really big baseball fans. Um, really big baseball fans. We, we, we love everything about baseball. And, and we were talking about just the guys that get stuck in the minors one day. And I said, and now Derek Jeter was playing shortstop for the Yankees at the time. I said, could you imagine being the guy in triple a who's the shortstop for the Yankees? Yeah. You're never going to go to the majors because Derek Jeter is the shortstop of the Yankees. Right. You got to hope to get traded. You got to hope that somebody else sees you and you can go to the Mariners or you can go to the angels or whatever, but you're right. never going to get that promotion through no fault of his own. That's right. Yeah. He could be better than Derek, but Derek's the captain. That's right. And, yeah. and, uh, uh, sometimes we have to accept our place, accept our lot and say, well, this is where we are. And, 
I've done everything I can do and just make the best of it. Right. Leave the rest up to God. I mean, that's, that's right. A, and so, right. and you never know, you never know what, you know, what it's going to lead to or, or where it's going to be. And, and so, um, that's a great analogy it really is. Yeah. So. All right. In closing, I see your Sasquatch picture behind you. Yes. Head. Yes. I see yes, your Sasquatch on your, on your coffee. Right. Cup. Yeah. Oh yeah. I got one on my mug too. That's so, the, uh, so are you a believer? I am a believer. And it's really, when you, when you say that, um, that's kind of an understatement. I've, um, you know, I've toyed with doing a podcast for a long time. And one of those is a Bigfoot podcast. And a guy told me recently, you need to do the podcast that you should do and not the one that you want to do. And that the one that I want to do is about Bigfoot. <laughs> and so, um, <laughs> so I am in, in the rabbit hole goes very deep and it's a, it's a great conversation starter and I'll be in Kentucky next week. And hopefully when I'm on the LBL deer hunting, um, either Bigfoot or the dog man will walk under me and I'm okay. going to get a chance to, uh, um, you know, I'll put him on the this. wall. All right. I'm going to, I'm going to tout another podcast that I listen to Sasquatch Chronicles. I do too. Every, you, me and you, we just became brothers. Uh, I just listened to it last Sasquatch Chronicles and confessionals podcast. Yeah. I'm, I'm there every night, every yeah, night. Yeah. I, yeah. Wes, I, you know, I listened to him last night and, uh, he had the guy from the Sierra on there. So I was, uh, I'm, I'm there. So, well, and, and it's interesting that you say about, about Kentucky, cause I, I participate in Ironman, which is the men's ministry. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and I go to Kentucky and hunt right. right there and I'm going back in December, but last year, a friend of mine and I were hunting with them during their bow season. And when we got back together, he said, was that you that I heard? I said, no, you know how I'm going to be really quiet in the woods. Right. I'm not going to, he said, there was something behind me that sounded like I had this giant log banging on a tree. I'm, and then it went, whoop, whoop. Yep. I said, no, you know, that's not me. He said, you think it was Chris? That was one of the guys that was with yeah. him. Cause he was trying to like walk some deer. Cause we were having a really hard time killing deer. Right. I said, I don't know. I don't know. And, and so we got to talk. I said, I bet you heard the squatch. I the bet squatch you heard the was squatch. there. I, I would definitely have gone back and checked that out. Well, uh, I went back turkey hunting in the spring. And I was sitting right where he was. And I was like, come on, squats. I'm ready for you. Let me see. You. Let me see. <laughs> we, we're going to be friends, Pete. I can tell. Cause, uh, yeah, I'm all in. I'm into David Politis and, and all of the, all the theories. I love that. And, um, and, uh, actually, um, you know, God has used Bigfoot to, to bridge gaps for me to start conversations about faith before. And so, yeah, uh, yeah. I enjoy it, but I'm, that's awesome. I'm all in on that. All let's get back Sasquatch together. Chronicles. Let's get back together on another episode and let's talk Bigfoot. Oops. That'd be great, man. I would, I would love, that love to do that. I would I, love that I, one. And so finding yeah. somebody who will talk about it with me is just kind of few and far between, but it'd be fun. It'd be fun. So we're going to, there, there are a few guys I, I, I would probably talk every day about, you know, different, different things about the, about the Squatch and, and yeah. all the, uh, all yeah. the intricacies of that. It's so, very fascinating. It's very it fascinating. Is. It is. But I, I'm going to save that until we get back together and talk about Sounds it on, good. on another episode. I can't wait. Because I want to get on the, I want to, uh, I'm going to throw a teaser. I want to talk about it from a biblical standpoint. Awesome. Awesome. And that'll can, be really cool because this is go. Christian Outdoors. We can talk about it from, we can, from that we can way. We talk about, we can talk. I've, I've got great theories on the biblical side. Good, of that, so. good. Well, Chris Wells, thank you so much for being with me today here at Christian Outdoors Podcast. He's the best chaplain. He's chaplain of the Bassmaster Elite Series, and he actually lives right down the street from me, and we didn't even know that until yeah. until recently. But, Chris, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you, Pete. It was my pleasure. 